and welcome back to the Making a Difference for Us podcast. I'm your host, Margo, and today I am joined by Edwin, Kevin, and Jim. Today we'll be discussing taxes, and we are going to start out with Jim in our first three questions, beginning with, should everyone pay taxes? Why are there different tax rates, and why is there a difference between income and wealth? Thank you, Margo. Good to be back. Um, yeah, this is a, a great topic, and uh, I think... Um, a lot to, to kind of unpeel around this one. So taxes, uh, you know, it's been something I've been involved with my whole adult life, both um, as a taxpayer and as someone deeply interested in politics. And the first thing I'll say is, you know, what I've witnessed is this complete dissolution of tax policy and public policy. And it's all because of debt. And so not going to dig real deep into that, but I think it's one of the critical things that uh, we need to get some sanity back on is actually paying our way as a country, even as states. Um, should everyone pay taxes? I believe so. You know, it's just all about skin in the game. If we're uh, a representative republic and people are voting for uh, our representatives to go and set policies, if they aren't paying taxes, it's real easy to vote that I get someone else's money. And um, I believe it was Margaret Thatcher who said that was the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money. And we're seeing that today. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, at some rate, everyone should pay taxes at uh, certainly the federal level. And I would say the state level as well. Why are there different tax rates? It's uh, because people were trying to make things progressive. Um, there's, I think an argument to be made that, um, you know, obviously people on lower on the income scale spend more of their earnings on the everyday needs of life. And that was a big basis for that. Trouble is then you start taxing uh, wealth and it starts taking a bite out of our productivity. And that gets to the third question, the difference between income and wealth. Income is what you make either based on your employer paying you or on what you take away from your own business. Wealth, um, it, it represents a lot of things, but the big thing to me there is wealth represents the assets of a company. And, you know, we talk about these billionaires and, well, geez, why don't we make them pay, you know, a whole huge amount of that in taxes? The trouble is that becomes paying part of what the company's value is. And the only way to do that is to sell parts of the company, um, it discourages productivity, it discourages growing a business. Um, you know, th that to me is part of the big debate around what proper tax levels are and, and how we make things you know, arguably fair, uh, yet still pay for the government that we all should be paying for. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. And Kevin, if you'd like to go ahead and give us your thoughts on today's questions. Thanks, Margo. Thanks, Jim. Hey, this is really Sometimes I don't believe that this is a Democrat or Republican's perspective when it comes to taxes is because I think asking, should everyone, pay? hell yes, everyone should pay taxes because everyone should benefit from the programs generated by paying their taxes. But the question is, is what is fair and equitable for our society? You know, when you talk about Medicare, unemployment benefits and federal programs, there is a purpose behind putting that together. And I understand that, you know, our government pays, has debt, Social Security, Medicaid, and other health care. 
benefits that we are what the program has been put in place, education infrastructures and making sure that the salaries and wages are paid from those individuals who are putting these programs together. But there are certain programs puts burden on society when it comes to our tax dollars. And, and this, right now it's a safety net versus adding value. And I feel this is where the debate becomes is how you choose to tell a narrative about your experience. And there are three basic tax types that we people need to understand. There's taxes that you earn, taxes on what you buy, and taxes what you own. And so we need to start understanding that. And this is the business that we're in, but I don't think people take the time and effort to understand what this business is because we are paying into this business program and we should be getting benefits based on what we have to do. And that's why we put people who represent us to actually look and see how we use that. As, as we've mentioned, the burden is on our society to making sure that we're not in debt and driving to that principle. And why we have different tax rates, and I understand what they're talking about progressive, but that progressive is not really, to me, is something that we really need to understand because the word progressive in the tax system is what the government created. Personally, the word progressive means to me is that we're stealing from the rich and giving to myself. But in the same breath, rich is dependent on the poor. And it's a very vicious cycle as we look at this. So what does that really make sense when we're talking about a 10% all the way up to the 37%? Because to me, 10% is 10% no matter where you're at on your tax bracket. Because that's why we talk about percentages. But to come back here and say a progressive tax break and working towards that piece, once again, I think where we're looking at where there are seven states that don't have, you know, state income taxes. We have 11 states that basically have fat um, flat income taxes. And then there's other states that have gradual taxes. So we're talking about taxes in general. You have the federal and you got your state. Then you're looking at all the uh, taxes that we're actually getting. So at the end of the day, man, if you're coming home with X and after your tax, what do you have to live on? And then what one of the things that we talked about right now is what is the difference between wealth and income? Well, to me, the difference is that wealth you can sit down and enjoy life and not work, but your money is working for you, where income is a byproduct of your efforts to work. So it's not working. You know, something needs to happen when we're looking at that balance of what wealth and income is, because at the end of the day, you know, the haves and the have nots, you know, at this point in time, and, and it's going to be in that situation where how do we can control this? And once we get out of getting the debt, how do we stop from that free fall of some of the things that we put elected officials in place because we have this huge gap of those who want to try to ask for everything but not contributing to the pie? So, Margo, like you said, this is an interesting conversation. I can't wait to sit around the table and discuss this because I fall in, in between that bracket where I'm seeing my money where it's being uh, it's not being used a, a correct and effect, effectively, where it's adding value to me as I contribute to that factor. Thanks. Thank you, Kevin and Edwin. If you'd like to go ahead and give us your thoughts on today's three questions. Yeah. Thanks, Marga. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Jim. Uh, should everybody pay taxes? You know what? It's a loaded question, really, because if you think about it, less than, according to MSNBC, less than 50% of Americans pay taxes. And that's part of the issue. If uh, we're not getting a fair share of people paying taxes, then we have to get the money somewhere else. And that's usually everyone else paying more taxes. And also big government requires big taxes to fund, whereas we could have a lower taxation on the premise of a smaller government. Consider federal taxes for White House funding and state and local taxes to support the state initiatives, which would include welfare. Today, you know, our federal taxes go for the go towards the welfare system 
and those dollars go out to the individual states and then they're dispersed where those state and county taxes and, and local taxes could actually fund their own welfare system. And that would kind of, I would think, encourage states and, and cities and local governments to do different things if they're being responsible for their own welfare system and their, and their cities and states. Uh, I would say that would improve our taxation as far as federal taxes, but who knows? I think this is up for discussion. We'll probably talk about that more as we get through this. And taxing high-income people to support low-income people, it's just simply redistribution of wealth. You're basically punishing people for being successful. When you take somebody that's a higher income individual and say, hey, let's tax it more so we can we can pay for product services and, and, and programs of people that choose not to pay taxes or don't pay their fair share, that's punishing the people that are being successful. So, you know, instead of taxing the wealthy more, why don't we go after the people that are evading the tax system? So according to MSNBC, there's more than 50% not paying taxes. Let's go after them and, and get them to pay their fair share versus us raising taxes to take up for their piece that they're not paying. So why are the different tax rates? It's a progressive tax bracket. That increases your tax liability based on your income. The United States has had a progressive tax system. It just means people with higher taxable incomes pay higher federal income taxes. Is that fair? It all depends. Depends on what we're funding. If we're funding things that people benefit from, maybe that is fair. But if people that are paying the higher taxes are benefiting from paying the higher taxes, why are we forced to do so? What is, you know, what's the difference between income and wealth? Now, let's think about it. Income and wealth. Wealth measures the amount of valuable economic goods that you've acquired and that you've accumulated over a given period of time where income is kind of the vehicle to do so. If your income is reduced by the amount of taxes that you make, you're less likely to accumulate the type of wealth that, you know, the top 1% has. That's why there's such a discrepancy between the amount of taxes at the lower or the, the middle income bracket, higher income bracket, and the lower income bracket. Thank you, Margo. Thank you, Edwin and Kevin and Jim. And now we are going to go ahead and transition into our roundtable discussion. I'd like, to tell, I'd like to add to Edwin's quote about MSNBC. What I pulled up was that 60% of our taxes are paid come from people earning above 163000 And 25% comes from those who basically make more than 818000 so my toilet paper mask sort of says that 7% of the people who earn less than 163599 are actually contributing to the taxes. So it's almost like you said, the middle or above middle class of the 163 between that number and 818 paid majority of our taxes. And so that's one of the things that we're, I'm focusing on is that once again, is that disproportion of how those, those taxes are distributed and how it actually takes into account. So that might be some of the numbers that, you know, Edwin might be talking about. But uh, that's that's really my argument is how do we share that wealth? And like you said, when you're talking about 163 to 100, 818,000, you know, that is basically income and that's not wealth. The wealth is the one percenters that are actually, you know, paying that, you know, above 118,000. And that's a small representation of what, you know, that one percent is carrying that burden. So those are the things that I'm trying to figure out. But the, if we don't have that, as Jim was mentioning earlier, where in the hell will we be with debt? And so sometimes I believe that 1% or that percentage that we're talking about is saving our asses from really being in a, a world of hurt. 
So I think that's one of the things I want an understanding that distribution of wealth or not really wealth, but income. What do you think, and Jim? I think Kevin's been red pilled on this issue. So <laughs> that's what I told you earlier. I'm said I said before the meeting, I said, I'm in the middle with this because it's, well, it's yeah. So, so let's talk about some of the more um, out there progressive things going on. And that's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll set those arguments up to tear down since we don't have that representative here. Um, I don't know if everyone saw that Bernie Sanders is calling for a 95% windfall tax on oil companies. And, you know, everyone's down on the oil companies because oil and gas folks are making money now. Um, you know, if we look at a couple things, one is long-term oil and gas companies are making like mid single digit rates of return. Long-term tech companies are making more like 15, 20%. And so I don't hear anyone going after them. Of course, you know, since they're in league with the Democrats on censorship today, I guess everything's, everything's fair uh, in their world. But, you know, to boil that down to as essence, here's what I believe. There should be no business taxes because who pays business taxes? We do. Consumers. Yeah, those yeah. are passed through. So in a rational world, taxes would fall on individuals and then we would have those really uh, great discussions about the proper rates like Kevin has been discussing and, and that I agree with. Um, again, I think there are some great arguments to be made for uh, some some progressiveness in the tax system. Um, I like here. Hey, hey, Jim, hey, Jim, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree though? If we are if we are taxing people to pay down the debt, but yet we're we are developing all these new programs and, and different ways to spend money, we're not reducing debt, we're just increasing the debt. And so the taxation's not even it's not even touching the debt. Yeah. I mean, that was the point of my opening statement is it used to be that tax policy was part and parcel of public policy, and it's not anymore. They're completely divorced. And that's not a left-right issue. That's a government issue. Doesn't matter who's in charge. We're it's running up debt. Right? Uh, we run deficits every single year. You know, last time we had any surplus was under Clinton. So, you know, yeah. not like those of us on the right have a great leg to stand on there. Uh, you know, kind of the flip side of that is Reagan purposely ran big deficits, and his whole point was he was going to starve the beast. And it's one of the things that Reagan was wrong about. There aren't many of them. Um, but he thought he could starve the beast, and instead he just started this huge cascade of enormous debt, uh, enormous deficits every single year. So yeah, <laughs> you know I don't see it happening in my lifetime, but I, I would love to see um, taxes and spending get back to where they're actually, you know, like a family budget. You pay for for what you're, you know. But this is one of the things I what you're about. what you're buying. You pay for now, or you don't get it. Well, Jim, really, I want to kind of expand on that. It's once again, as the populace really understand where their money's going and how it's used. You know, once again, we have to start educating ourselves other than April 15th comes tax time. I either yeah. want to get money back or I'm going to pay. Okay. But what we do is we kind of continue thinking that, okay, the system's broke. I'm just going to run with it, but under not understanding impact. To me, I'm paying into a company. And I'm expecting what I'm paying into, there's value to it. And that really to understand it. But we have so much disconnected that because right now it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a big component on term limits for senators. I think when they start off, they basically have a purpose, but all of a sudden it becomes a full-time job and they're protecting that. So I think a lot of times that's another 
conversation, but I think we need to start educating the populace to understand where's our money going back, why are we in, cause why we're in a deficit mode, and oh, it's because of someone sitting in the chair. There's so much to that impact of understanding how things are. And you mentioned earlier about the the, the oil industry. If you haven't been to the store lately, well, at least where I'm at, products and goods and services have actually increased by 25%. So you kind of jump on the bandwagon because now everything is, holy shit, oil, you know, gas prices here are close to pushing $7 a gallon. So with that being said, also my milk has not gone from 225 up to almost 325. Okay. So now you're telling me that my products have actually been impacted because of the oil industry. I don't know. Is that an opportunity? So I don't know because I'm going to beg ignorance on this one, but I don't quite understand the correlation between the two. So maybe one of you can help me out with that factor. So if you're looking at everything increasing, now we're talking about, you know, uh, our interest rates are going to be increasing. All this stuff is coming back. And I feel like right now we're back to 2007 and you know what happened in 2008. So once again, I'm, I'm looking at real estate is just blown out of the, you know, the water right now especially here in California. And so I'm just kind of curious everywhere. So Jim kind of get, you know, or at one, I'm, I'm kind of curious on your lens. What do you think what's going on? I think we have to get the spending under control. And I think uh, the, the quickest way to do that is, you know, people become more and more educated about how taxes are spent. I mentioned the welfare system earlier. Welfare is a federal program and all gets dispersed back to the states and then they disperse that money. Well, at the federal level, you don't really see the people that require welfare assistance. It's just a, it's a bucket. You empty that bucket in every state. And I think that's a, you know, one of those, that's one of the ways you look at it and say, hey, you know what? Let the states take care of the people. Let's not let everybody take care of the people. Because I think what happens is, you know, there's certain states that, you know, they're, they're overlooking the, 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 the fact that welfare programs are supposed to be a real rehabilitation program, not a way of life. So we're just sucking money out of the system, out of this great big bucket, taking care of able-bodied people that can work and pay taxes that aren't. So, so I, I think those are just one of those things we got to look at and figure out how do we, you know, we should well, inspect what we expect. And I think more people don't do that enough. So how do you make that correlation to the state of California, which has 40 million people and in Wyoming's got 500,000? Yeah, uh, the correlation, okay. you know, you got you got a bigger bucket because you got more people. Right. I'm hoping that's the case. And then once again, this is where that correlation, it comes back to taxes because California right now has a 13.3%, you know, state, in, you know, tax rate. Whereas there are some states, once again, has zero. So it goes from zero to 13.3% based on what state you're in. So you're saying the correlation is the number of people. But once again, if I get more people, why am I taxing higher? Yeah, but, you know, that goes to federalism, which has also been abrogated by the crazy spending in Washington. Mm -hmm. you know, everything's being centralized. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have those state to state comparisons of policy and what works and what doesn't as much as you used to. I think right. California's, California's a basket case, but its spending still is a, a rounding error on the federal spending. Um, right. You know, to Edwin's point, uh, stuff like um, welfare, that's entitlement spending. That's 49% of the federal budget. But Jim, I think it's automatic. So you can't even, 
Use the 80-20 rule. Use the 80-20 rule. There are people who need it and they don't, because I've worked at that point where 80% really need it and they don't want to be on it. The other 20% abuses it, which yeah. makes the 80% who needs it look bad, right? I'm just going to use that basic percentage. Yeah, because you know, the people I talk to. The problem with those programs, though, is the difficulty in doing what Edwin said and, and cutting back is it, it sounds great in theory, but think about what happens when anyone, not even cuts, just reduces the, the the level of increase, and all of a sudden the New York Times and the Washington Post are eviscerating them, talking about how they're just savaging this program. And and you know the trouble is you've got the beneficiaries who, for those things, that's their number one issue, and so they're gonna get in with these corrupt media organs and tear everyone a new one who tries to get it under control. Meanwhile, ordinary people like you and me, you know, there's a a thousand different issues that try to catch our attention we never have the kind of focus across the broad public to get these things under control as those interest groups are going to have to keep them in place and keep them growing and that's the catch-22 well this is what i'm just going to throw out there um when you travel the world and you sit back here and you see rich and poor okay and when it's not working eventually like you said my my opportunities to travel, you know, the Central America and Brazil, and you look at those pieces. What you have is the crazy-ass rich and you have the crazy-ass poor. So what actually happens, then, the, you know, when you take out some of those safety net features, the poor is going to feed on the rich because the haves and have-nots. So when you talk about crime, it's going to increase. The food cost of everything starts increasing. So before you have mayhem, right? So the question is, our program should actually try to balance that and have more in the middle that's proportional in, in an ideal utopia world, right? But once you start seeing that break, is that the, you know, the haves will have that point and then the haves will have not. And that's where you're talking about crime, just exponentially crime drives up from that piece. So once again, you're going to spend money to protect your, what you have from people who don't have it. So it gets that vicious cycle. So those are another things we can talk about and how mm -hmm. our tax dollars are used. So when you well, sit back there and say, okay, my tax dollars here, but then again, you're going to have to increase your quality of life to being gated communities as not a gated community for the, the status point, but the gated communities to live comfortable and making sure you're paying for that security. Now you're increasing food. So once again, pay me now or pay me later. And that's yeah. one of the things I'm hoping that we don't have to deal with. Well, and your, your point's very well taken that you look elsewhere in the world. And uh, as much as we want to focus on the problems we have here in the U.S. and how to fix them, um, they pale in comparison to what's out there in a lot of other places. Um, I do want to touch on one other thing, though, and you talk about needing these programs. The trouble is, in addition to this always increasing dynamic because of the interest groups, you also have the always increasing bureaucracy. And I'd argue we're no longer led by our elected representatives. We're led by bureaucrats. And, and I would have to agree with that. Of what all these programs have, have created. And that's why I say our system's broke when you're talking about government, yeah. because most of the times of those areas I've been talking about, it's driven because of government. Okay, and that's why we have so many immigrants coming here is because they, once again, the premise of what you put into, you know, once again, we talk about, you know, immigrations and we talk about that Statue of Liberty. Why? Yeah, I got here. Everyone has that mindset that they can succeed and do everything here. Okay. And mm -hmm. so that's the piece and that's the premise in the mind until they get here sometimes and go, oh, shit. What that package, what is actually stone is not what I expected. So, you know, once again, it's how you want to tell that narrative. What do you think, Edwin? 
that's where we fail in society too. You're talking about immigrants coming here and, and taking, taking part in America, you know, what we had to offer. But a lot of that is, you know, they come here and they're not documented and they work for cash money, which means they don't pay into the tax system, but yet they get a lot of the benefits from the tax system. So what's I think that, what's up? Well, I'm saying with that piece, that's why it's also broken because individuals say, I'm going to get those individuals are paying the dollar rate because I don't have to also look at paying taxes. They're and so it's actually excavating es the whole problem. I hope I said that real great. You know, so, you know what I'm saying? Because when you're sitting there saying that we have people who are employing them at that piece. So they're breaking the laws as well. So once again, that's another issue. Yeah, that's double broken. Yeah. If that's the thing. Well, Margo, Margo threw out this question on, on uh, who of those percentages are paying. So I had said 57% pay no federal income taxes in 2021. And, you know, that's going to be largely households on the lower end of the pay scale. We hear these horror stories of billionaires paying nothing, blah, blah, blah. Um, that does exist when, mm -hmm. when billionaires are able to put all their money into their companies. Then, like I said, you know, we're not taxing that wealth and therefore they get a free ride but that's also a tiny number of people um the vast majority of people not paying taxes are on the lower end of the scale and they're also using a system that's afforded to them and so there's no there's nothing illegal about that so no right oh but break that down you're talking about billionaire who's not getting it so what does that look at an individual so that one billionaire represents what a million people oh, who right. don't have it okay so I i'm know. saying there's a correlation to this right Right. Yep. I'm saying there's a correlation because they have the money to where they can send it because they can move stuff around because you're not going to miss a meal. Okay? Yeah. And that's Honestly. The other thing when we talk about, you know, going after the rich is it usually number one never gets the rich because like you say, they have the resources to hide their money where it isn't reachable. And then number two, it winds up expanding into hitting people like you and me. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. I'm not rich. I'm comfortable. I'm happy. Um, you know, if it were getting toward actually paying down our debt, I'd pay more. Right. But, you know, yeah. honestly, Jim, I, I'm sort of comfortable but moody. Not happy. I'm comfortable <laughs> and moody. Okay, there's a difference, all right? Yeah, well. <laughs> so if you're if you're comfortable and happy, I'm like, you're you're a unicorn, all right? Yeah, but you know what? I think that's what, I think that's what we are. we got so many people that are complacent, and not many people really understand what the, you know, well, I think as you're looking at it, it's like you said, if I everyone's sitting back there, I know it's coming in, what's going out, and what's the bottom line, and that's where you're getting the deficit, right? Just kind yeah. of looking at that piece. So the question is, is that that report should go to everyone. As you're, they're sending out their taxes, they should be sending out a form to everyone. Like you said, when you're investing in your 401k, and guess what? You get an itemized list of where your money's going. To me, it's like the same thing. It should be given to everyone out there of public information versus me trying to get it it should be sent out to me so that i can review my money and look at it because that's most businesses they, you're doing that so this is still a business so i'm, you know, I'm paying into it i want to see then my report hey, hey jim that was expensive. yeah that was expensive yeah, that was expensive what's the receivables you know see once again you're pulling that information um, because jim right you're, you're talking about it. how much was collected yeah just over four trillion and we paid out 6.8 trillion. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, but I've seen that should be a nice report out. Here's my my summary of the year performance. Right. Yeah. And it should be sent to everyone. Not saying now I have to look for it. Now you know, and yeah, holding the government true. accountable. And then you can look at if it's broken down by state. We should have a state, you know, 
form because there's a 10K that goes out to everyone. This is my plan. It should right. be able to come right. back here and say, hey, let's run this as a business. Let's look at it. I should see you have some transparency on that sent to my mailbox. So that's a great point is, um, you know, as companies, everyone's required to do this detailed reporting on um, income and spending and everything. Government doesn't do that. Another great idea akin to what you're saying, Kevin, that I've heard many times is that people ought to be required to write a check monthly for their taxes. So they feel it instead right. of this stupid withholding where it's just gone, just never there in your in your paycheck and you never think about it. Well, that's well the, the, other it is. the other thing is, if you think about what you said, how many people know that? We spent $6.8 trillion versus 4.3, whatever the 4.3 trillion that we took in in receivables. Yeah, now look, if everybody knew that before election day, when I say election day, we have all local elections, we got the national elections, but think about it. It would impact and influence how you voted. Because if you knew that you were voting for something that was gonna continue to cost more and more money, continue to dig a big hole, you may not vote for that. True, although, you know, when I read that 57% of US households paid no federal income tax in 2021, having them as voters isn't exactly my favorite thing. True. Uh, Margo had a great question on how many governments uh, I can name that practice that financial transparency. That would be zero. Because mm -hmm. we can you imagine if you just, once again, this is the world we're living in. I'm paying out money but I don't know the value that I'm paying out. Yeah. So once again, if I'm looking at a stocks, it's not moving, guess what? I'm moving my money to make them, you know, acting right. so I have this emptiness that a wish list that things are in place so I can use it. But when I do it, I have to now turn back and justify my means to paying into the system. Yep. Right. Well, and, so and, and you know, that's an excellent point and something I always want to remind people who think they're doing good through government, you know, Again, I think government's a necessary evil, but I do think it's an evil. And the root of government is it's the monopoly use of force. And so what happens if you don't pay your taxes? You go to jail. And if you don't go to jail, what happens? You get shot. No, you start there's garnishment on your wages because you can hardly afford that. Yeah. And now your garnish yeah. is taken back and you move forward with that piece. Now you have this burden because big guy, for some reason, that guy never shows up until you miss something. Right. Okay. And when you yeah. miss something, he automatically says you didn't pay it. You don't go to court. They're now garnished from that piece. Okay. So sure this is the big... up with the overpay. Yeah. And, and if overpay. Oh yeah. You might get back a little bit. So to me, it's that carrot and stick mentality. As long as you're paying, here's the carrot, but if you mess up, you're getting whacked with the big ass shovel, you know, yep. at this point in time. So I, and like you said, I like you mentioned earlier, I love to talk to people more about this. If we want to come out there, cause I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I definitely looking back where my value of my money is going into it. And, and it's not being the transparency of where that money is going. Like you said, I'm putting them in the big buckets, but still I should have a report on what those big buckets are. And like you said, Margo earlier, if you want to put an unknown, I, I, I agree. Here's an unknown, but that's, what is that unknown? 10% need to know. I don't care, but at least put it in there because now you have to account for the other 90%. Now we're going to go ahead and transition into closing statements. And Jim, if you'd like to go ahead and start us out, Sure thing. Thank you, Margo. Thank you, Kevin, Edwin. Great discussion today. And, uh, you know, a pretty different one. I, I uh, didn't foresee that this would go the way it did. But 
then in hindsight thinking that you know we're all kind of uh in the same i guess uh demographic when it comes to our earnings we're probably roughly similar in this group it's understandable we'd have similar perspectives on this but you know it it really is eye-opening to look into this and understand that it really is not uh, a left versus right issue you know as much good as there is in the u.s this is one of our big problems and is one of my favorite uh, bloggers um law professor uh instapundit says something that can't go on forever won't and so Glenn Reynolds says that. I think everyone needs to give that some deep thought because what we're doing and have been doing for decades can't go on forever. I don't know how to fix it. You know, we had some good discussion today on looking at it. And Kevin, I think your idea is a great one to get some other people from other earnings demographics and hear from them. You know, I'd love to hear from someone who's on assistance and, and hear their perspective on how we get after this and what we ought to be going after and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, clearly my point of view is we need to once again marry up what we're bringing in and what we're paying out, um, actually have a budget that is a real budget and that we live by. Um, I sure hope it happens for my kids because like I said, I don't see it happening in my lifetime. Thank you. Kevin, if you'd like to go ahead and give us your closing thoughts on today's episode. Thanks, Margo. Uh, since we've been doing this, we're in season two. I think right now this has been, I really enjoyed the round table today. Uh, one of the things is because we have so much similarity, but I definitely believe in our, our systems and our safety nets because that's what we put into it and we should align with those and making sure that they're managed appropriately. And that is because of our electric officials that we put in place should really focus on some of those needs because they're there for the people, not for their own personal interests. And that's the reason I'm a big component on term limits where we look at uh, our Senate or in our Congress but with that being said, um, reason it brings us all together, because at the end of the day, it's talking about wealth or income and how we use it, because that's how we survive and that's how we provide for our families. So that's the reason I, I'm with Jim. It is not a Democrat or Republican aspect, because once we are putting into that pie, these are the things that we need to understand and share, because when someone needs it, I will be more than happy to help support it, but making sure those programs are in place so that we don't abuse the systems. Because at the end of the day, if not, I'm going to pay for it one way or another. And so once again, it's always when I'm looking at it, what's in it for me? And being where we're at sometimes, you know, that's the number one thing. How do I look at myself first? But then again, I have to also be very unselfish and put myself with some empathy that one day I could actually be in any of those situations where I need that government safe ball. And that's why I pay into it because I can't take the future. But once again, if I know it's there, and uh, like you said, a lot of people that I know are really supporting Medicare and, and Medicaid and all those self, uh, programs that I put into it. So I think, once again, I want to hold myself and I want to hold my public officials responsible for making sure those safeguards are in place. And as well as we're talking about our infrastructures, because the separation between great countries and poor countries is our infrastructure. Because if we can't create roads for, their, for our commerce to actually use, we won't be able to provide the needed resources that we need. So there's a lot of pieces in place and we have to remember how this this great country came about 
was at one point in time about taxes and religion and all those things that pulled apart. And we forgot about that basic fundamentals. And guess what? We're creating the same environment that established this country in the first place. So that's why I'm saying people need to start educating themselves on what's going on and not assume the obvious because it's broken. So I'm not going to worry about it until it starts impacting me. So as, as a part of this Republic, we need to start holding our officials, everyone accountable. So that means pick up a book, learn how to read, get the people around and be involved. Thanks for once again, but this is one of one topics that I was looking forward to talking about. Thanks, Margo. Thanks, Jim. Thanks that one. Thank you, Kevin. And finally, Edwin, if you'd like to go ahead and give us your closing thoughts on today's episode. So, uh, Hey guys, I appreciate it. Today was awesome. I think uh, today was really uh, uh, represented the the ideology of our podcast mission, and that is to you know identify our differences and kind of expand on our similarities. So when we started this discussion today, I didn't realize we had so many things in common in regards to understanding taxation. And for me, this was kind of a, a an eye opener as far as learning more and more about our taxation system. And prior to doing research around this topic, I was completely ignorant to most of the things that we talked about today. And I feel a lot better knowing that other people felt very similar. They thought, you know, I think we all know we pay income tax and it goes to the government and they disperse it for us. And I think today we got a chance to understand a little bit more, not necessarily where the money goes, but certainly we have the same concerns as far as how our money's being spent, where we are as a country, and as far as taxation goes. The differences between building wealth and 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 income, you know, a lot of these things that we talk about today, I think hits hits home with a lot of people. I think it probably resonates with more people than we thought. So hopefully people take a listen, come up with some ideas, reach out to us. We can come back and expand on this topic. I'd love to hear a lot of other people, uh, their views. And I think you know, we're just a cross section of America. And there's so many more that can probably contribute. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for today's episode on taxes. If you've not heard our first episode on immigration for season two, I implore you to go back. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts to receive notifications when we release new content.